Chester, what the hell are you doing? Man, boy, sorry about that, friend. I swear the scaly prick wishes this was the Chester show. Oh, that's bullshit. What was I, like two minutes late? He's incorrigible, this kid. Come on in, friend. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's better. I swear, it's the fox guarding the chicken coop around here. One of these days, I'm gonna need to get a food taster. Speaking of conniving creatures, tonight we're joined by horror and fantasy author Nicholas Corres for a little wildlife exploration. So smoke them if you got them and drink those glasses to the bottom, cause old Drew Blood's got a tell to tell. Hey! You're listening to the standard edition of this program. To get instant access to ad-free versions of all our episodes and hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu. Sign up today. It's a great way to show your support, and you'll get a whole lot for it. And authors, send your scary stories to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If you're selected, you'll get that full treatment. Shit. In tonight's tale, we join a few environmental types trying to shut down some housing developers. But sometimes not all environments are worth preserving. So without further delay, I give you, from author Nicholas Cora's Fairy Hunt. So, said Penny. She held the digital recorder out to the old man with the purple hair and tried to tuck away the goofy grin on her face. Why don't you tell us about the first time you saw a fairy? Gosh, man, I'll never forget it, said the man. His name was Anton, and he stroked his long gray beard with one hand while he held the steering wheel with the other. Heck, I would. Maybe eight or nine. And I was out by myself, off in the woods somewhere. Kids went all over the place in those days. So I remember walking real far out somewhere. And I come across this place. It was beautiful. Dark circle of trees. And right in the middle of them was this big old rock half sticking up out the ground. And I walking up, right? And I see this big pair of butterfly wings resting right on top of it. And so I start to think to myself, these wings were way too big for a regular butterfly. And I take another step closer. I tell you, I must have frightened it. Because as soon as I do, and I swear on my life this is true. I see a tiny little person attached to those wings. Honest to goodness. And it just goes and flies off. Huh. Wow. Well, that's something then, said Penny. Uh, Did you ever see it again? Or anything like it? Uh, Well, maybe. Blips and bits here and there. But let me tell you this. 
Sometimes I see things in the woods. Little things. Sticks arranged in certain ways. Berries and rocks laying in odd patterns. And I know it's them. And I guess it's like... I just know they've been there. I haven't seen one in the open like that since that time at the rock. But then again, I ain't been back there since then. It's a sacred place. Alright, now why don't you tell us quickly about the housing development that's going to be built near there? Penny said. Well, as you know... Myself and the rest of the Fairy Friends Nature Preserve are protesting the Reeves Company housing development being built near the Stella Oaks Woodland as of right now, seeing as how it's gonna upset the natural life near it. The flora and the fauna and the like, you know. All that building and construction and the noises is especially going to affect the fairies. And so that's why we're going out today to get a picture of a fairy. To prove to those housing developers that fairies are real as morning sun, man. And that they deserve to be protected. The rest of the group begged me to come with, but I insisted it only be us three. Myself, a journalist, and a photographer, and that's it. I don't want to frighten them with a whole gang of people, you know. Yep, Penny said. Just us three. Right, Frederick? We love this kind of stuff. Penny turned back to the stiff man holding the camera equipment in the back seat. And we're pretty familiar with these kinds of situations, too. Right, Frederick? Remember when we did the story about the Bigfoot hunt up in Hartford last year? Or the Michael Jackson seance in Chicago? Frederick itched his neck and looked to the side, clenching his jaw. Yeah, was all he said. Penny suppressed a chuckle. So, you really think we'll see anything today? She asked Anton. Well, I certainly hope so. Why, just a little bit of evidence might make a huge difference, I believe. I'm on a course to blow some minds today, man. Oh yeah, me too, said Penny. Either way, I think we're going to have a great day of dragging our butts through the woods here. Which reminds me, I forgot to bring my bear mace, but I do have some bug spray here if you boys need it. Oh, I'm afraid we can't use that, ma'am, said Anton. They don't like chemicals. Using that could lessen our chances of seeing anything. All those aerosols can really harsh their auric biomes. Oh, um, alright, that's fine. I'll just leave it right here then, no problem. So, they don't like chemicals, huh? Guess that makes sense. Fred, did you know that? Fred closed his eyes and sighed through his nose. No, he said. Oh, you know what? One more thing. Penny said into the recorder. So, you remember the place you told me about that's called Sullen Rock? Is there any reason why it's named that? Seems a little ominous for a place that fairies would hang out at, don't you think? Hmm, well, I guess so. But to be honest with you, ma'am, I couldn't really tell you.
The only thing I really know about it is that the Native American tribes around here used to refer to it as such, and Solon is a rough translation of its original name. Still couldn't tell you why, though. However, from what I've heard, is that they stayed far, far away from it. Penny was silent, letting her eyes wander as she thought about this. Anton turned to her, his big eyes beaming from his thick Coke bottle glasses. Like I said, though, it's a sacred place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Okay, everyone, said Anton. His bandana was dripping with sweat, as were all three by this point. Just a bit farther up now, and just as a precaution, we should probably keep our voices down just a little bit. Oh, and Fred, if you don't mind, I don't think we should be using flash photography. Fred slapped another bug from his neck, almost dropping the camera bag he was holding. He looked up and gave the old man a sneer. Penny wiped the sweat from her brow. The trees were tall here and thick. They almost completely blocked out the sun, yet not enough to stop the heat or humidity. She took a drink from her water bottle, then fanned herself off with the notepad in her hand. Great. Hey, are we almost there? She said. Yes, we're very close, said Anton, making a shush motion. All right now, stay behind me and keep your intent positive. Fairies can pick up on our sour gamma waves, so we need to maintain a diverse stream of consciousness while we're here. They watched the old man peel back bushes and tree leaves to reveal a slab of rough rock stuck halfway out of the ground. It wasn't as big as she had pictured it, but there was a sort of odd curvature about it like a crescent shape sticking out of a smooth, lopsided base. A patch of pale sunlight lit it up, and the whole thing stood out amongst the darkness of the trees like a hangnail on a thumb. Oh my, Anton said. It's a little different than I remember it. Get a picture of that, Penny said. Frederick nodded and took a quick snap. Okay, now, we need to tread lightly. This is their spiritual nexus. Now, hold on just a moment. 
I have a gift. It's a something of an offering. Somewhere within the trees, Penny heard a branch snap and her eyes shot all around her. She put a hand on her beaten heart, then turned back to Anton. Wait, what's an offering? What are you going to do? Oh, it's nothing much. It's just a little thing that a Scottish failmancer taught me for making allies within the spirits of the Emberwilds. Excuse me, I just have to get the stuff out of my pack here. One sec, you'll see. Anton reached in his backpack and pulled out an ornate little teacup with a gold rim, which he gently placed on the flat of the rock. Then he pulled out a thermos with a tea bag sticking out of the side and poured a little bit of hot tea in the cup. Penny could smell honey and cinnamon from the warm drink. She nudged Frederick and he snapped a picture. Okay, said Anton. Now there's that and one more thing. They like sweet cakes, I'm told. So I got just a little thing here. Anton reached in the pack and produced a cellophane package of chocolate chip cookies. Not just regular chocolate chip cookies either, but bright purple ones that had sparkly rainbow sprinkles littered about within them. He gently laid one out next to the tea and dusted the crumbs off of his fingers. Penny held back a snicker and nudged Frederick. All right now, if you'll bear with me. I'm going to read a quick charge. Anton stood up straight, put his hand on his heart, and cleared his throat. <clears throat> Magic be quick. Magic be free. A friend of the fairies I wish to be. He accentuated that last part with his thumb and forefingers together, swaying his hands like a symphony conductor. Penny and Frederick were both holding a smile now. All right, said Anton, turning back to them. Now, I don't know if that'll make them come running, per se, but it's getting the line of communication open. I figure if we wait here for about another seven hours or so, we're bound to see something. Also, if that doesn't work, I know some rhythmic dancing and chanting we can do to... Look, said Penny, pointing behind him. Anton turned around. The three of them could see a big pair of brightly colored butterfly wings and a small head sticking out from behind them. There on the rock sat a little creature with its back turned and they could hear the teeny bites it took as it snacked on the sweet, bright cookie. Face agog, Anton lifted up his glasses and then dropped them back on. Oh, my goodness, he whispered. Penny and Frederick's mouths were wide open, then looked at each other. Frederick frantically snapped the camera at it. Anton turned back to them and pointed to it, smiling and mouthing the word, See? See? Then mouthed the word, watch. Hey, hello, he said gently to the vivid little creature snacking on the cookie. Hello. 
Hello, little forest sprite. My name is Anton, and these are peaceful people from the world of news information. We are simple outliers of the woods, here to make friends. Will you allow us to be your friend, little one? The creature stopped gnawing at its cookie and had turned around. When it did, the smiles dropped down from their faces. What the three of them saw was not what one would think of a traditional fairy with dainty features, a sparkly tunic, and a pair of cute pointy-toed shoes. This creature looked more like a purple, brightly colored skeleton, with black eyes that sunk in its skull. It had skin that stretched over a greasy, bony little body that had ornate butterfly wings attached to it. The creature did not have lips, and instead had two rows of jagged, crooked teeth that snapped together. Anton pulled his hand back once the creature screeched, snarled, and snapped at him. Penny grabbed out to Anton's arm, and the two looked at each other, now with frozen hearts and stone faces. Anton steeled himself and then forced a smile. Okay, it's all right, little one. We're just here to make friends. You like that treat? I brought it specially for you. The creature grasped its cookie with one skinny little arm and slashed up at him with a tiny hand that bore sharp little dirty claws similar to a cat's as if the man were going to take it from him. Anton twitched himself away from the thing, but then cautiously reached his hand out towards it again. No, no, he said. I don't want your cookie. I, I want to be a friend. Friend. It's okay. You can trust me. Anton, I don't. I don't know if that's a good idea, Penny said. No, no, said Anton. It's fine, look. Still holding on to its cookie, the little skeleton fairy sniffed at him, screeched, snapped its teeth, and sniffed at him again. With a slight bit of hesitation, it put down the cookie and little by little made its way to Anton's hand as it moved in erratic jerking motions. Then it leapt up from the rock onto Anton's arm, where it dug its claws in his flesh to make it up to his shoulders. Anton winced from the pain, but remained steady. Penny and Frederick stood stiff, watching. Ah, you see, Anton said, pointing at the tiny creature on his shoulder. Anton was beginning to bleed a little. The little skeleton grabbed at his face and felt his features. Then, his clawed hands found his glasses. It threw them to the ground. Anton forced a chuckle out of his face and said, <laughs> I guess we don't need those, right? He glanced over to Frederick and made a motion to take a picture. Frederick swallowed, then gave the camera a snap. A Anton? Said Penny, swallowing. Um, I think maybe this is probably enough. Anton was about to speak but his words were cut off when the little skeleton fairy, now with the grip of Anton's hair in his hands, 
lifted its head high and screamed into the forest air. Anton shuddered at the sound of it in his ear and shut his eyes tight. Um, well, that was quite loud, wasn't it? He said, shuddering. Then, from the darkness of the trees, three other skeleton fairies flew in and attached themselves to Anton. A pink one, a green one, and two pale orange ones, all with the exact same look as their purple brother, with the stretched out skin and the sunken in eyes. They crawled around him, picking at his flesh and clothes with their claws. Oh, look, said Anton visibly shaken now. Friends, see, it's all right. We're just, we're just getting to know each other. Anton punctuated this statement with a grimace as one orange fairy sunk its crooked yellow teeth into the leg of his jeans and bit him. Anton tried to brush its head away with a gentle stroke. Then it craned its head up and bit him on the finger. As soon as this happened, the other creatures joined in as they picked, bit, and slashed into him more and more. Penny's face became pale and a cool spread of fear flooded across her body. It's okay. It's all right. Anton kept repeating. A green one bit into his earlobe and Anton grit his teeth, suppressing a scream. All right, he said. <laughs> Let's just get you off of there. He gripped the skeleton fairy's body in his big hand and pulled it away from his earlobe. It held on like a dog with a piece of meat. He gave it a quick, sharp tug, and his entire earlobe came off inside the fairy's crooked little jaw. Anton let it go, and it zipped into the air. It landed on a nearby branch where it tugged at the fleshy piece of ear in its teeth and then spit it out onto the dirt. Then dove back down onto Anton's face. Oh my God, said Penny. The more Anton struggled against the creatures, the more they became excited and frenzied. All Penny and Frederick could do was sit and watch. Bleeding and picked at all over, Anton repeated, It's all right. It's okay. Over and over again. An orange one crawled across his legs and sunk its teeth into his hamstring. He dropped to his knees and tried to hold on to the bleeding wound on his neck as one was forcing its tiny skull head into the open wound. The purple one was fondling its claws on his eye socket while more fairies flew from the trees crawling about on him, biting and scratching. Tears rolled down from his eyes, which only stung the scratches and cuts on his face. Panting through clenched teeth, a spark faded from Anton's eyes. You... you should probably get away from here, he said to Penny and Frederick, trembling. Then he quivered and shook, and finally allowed himself to let loose a wild scream. Reacting to the sound of his pain, the little fairies fluttered around in a frenzy, gnawing at him like a pack of wild dogs, biting, clawing, scratching, licking blood and chewing flesh right off his bones, bit by teeny tiny little bit. 
Come on, Penny whispered, grabbing a handful of Frederick's shirt. Move back slowly. Don't make any quick moves. She and Frederick moved backwards step by step, unable to tear their eyes away from what the little creatures were doing to Anton as he howled himself to death. Behind them, they could feel and hear the flapping and fluttering of wings, and they were so close. One landed on Penny's hoodie, and she clenched all her muscles as she saw it, trying to remain steady. It looked up at her and shrieked right in her face. Two landed on Frederick, and he jumped when he felt them. Fuck! he yelled, and before Penny could stop him, he had done something brash. He grabbed one of the little fairies in his hand and crushed its body like a beer can. Its bones snapped like hard twigs, and its black, beady eyes popped out of its skull head. Then it felt like time had slowed down as Frederick threw the tiny broken body at the rock in the center of the trees, where it bounced off it and fell onto the dirt. All the fairies had stopped right where they were, and black silence filled the air. In unison, the fairies lifted their deathly faces from wherever they were at and screamed in a horrendous high-pitched cacophony. Frederick had clearly pushed the boundary and maybe just a step further when the dead fairy was besmirched on their sacred rock. Go! shouted Frederick, pushing Penny back. Before she had a chance to even assess the situation, the fairies all swooped into the sky like a plague of locusts and rained down on Frederick. Go! Frederick tried to shout again as the fairies reached their claws into his open mouth, clawing at the insides of his flesh. Penny turned herself around and ran as fast as she could down the hills of the forest, heart thudding in her chest. Frederick's screams floated in and out of the trees as she ran, while she gulped in panicked breaths of air. While most stayed behind, a few had followed her to the car and scratched at her as she ran. Their claws were like prickly little barbs and cut deep. Penny yelped as one tried to dig into her left eye. She ripped it away from her face and threw it aside before getting into the car and slamming the door shut. Anton had left his keys in the dash console. Penny snatched them up and started the car. Three fairies perched themselves on the windshield and scratched at the glass. A yellow one hooked itself to the rearview mirror and tried to bash at the car window with its brittle forehead. Penny floored the gas out from the dirt trail. She found her way out to the main road amongst the trees. She gripped the wheel tight. God damn it, she yelled. She reached into her jeans and pulled out her digital recorder, then slammed it into the dash over and over, swearing until it was broken. Then she threw the pieces behind her. When she had finally reached the main road and the fairies were no longer stuck to the hood, she pulled over, car hanging halfway into the road. She crumpled up to her side and buried her face in her hands. An indistinct clamor of clicks and hoots echoed in the distance. They sounded like the shrill hoots and screams of excited zoo monkeys, but she could immediately recognize the rusty inflection in their voices. They were coming up from somewhere above her. She leaned over in the seat to get a look up, and when she did, she felt a heavy thump on the car hood. A bloody, near-skeletonized corpse of a man 
had been dropped on the car and looked back at her with one eye sticking out of his skull. It was Frederick, and she knew it immediately. Eyes shut tight, she put her head down and shot the car in reverse, letting the body fall to the ground. When she opened her eyes once again, she could see the chaotic, flickering mass of colorful wings and brittle bodies wisp around in the rearview mirror. She spun the car around and hit the gas. Very soon, she felt the thumps against the car as the fairies threw their stick bodies up against it, and within a handful of seconds, the car was almost completely covered with fairies. She swerved to the left and to the right to shake them off and somehow they managed to hold on and only accumulate. She heard a scrapping sound coming from the dash. Trying to focus on the road through the mass of tiny colorful bodies, she hit the top of the dash with the palm of her hand over and over to subdue the sound. And then she noticed colorful gaunt little arms sticking out of the air conditioning vents. She reached up and tried to bat them away, but the little arms only became more furious. She let out guttural yells from her throat and then brought the car to a screeching halt in the middle of the road. She buried her face in her hands again and swayed back and forth, letting the sounds of their teeth and claws against metal and glass burrow into her ears. Then she noticed something sitting in front of her in the cup holder on the console. She picked up the can, clicked it open, aimed it at the air vent, and gave it a quick spray. The creatures inside hissed when the blast hit their faces, and she thought she could even hear sneezing. She thought about something, then looked around the car. Sitting in a door compartment was an old plastic lighter next to a half-smoked joint. She picked the lighter up, flicked it a couple of times to get a flame going, then aimed the can to the vent. A blast of fire hit the vent, and she could hear the fairy screaming inside. The scratching was now going back the other way. She blasted fire down the vent again and again and let out a crazed laugh as she could hear them skittering and scraping their way out. She caught her breath and looked around at the bony fairies assaulting the car over and over again. She shut her eyes and sighed. Her body tensed up as she reached for the door handle and pulled it open with a hard yank. Fairy scrambled into the vehicle, and Penny greeted them with a hot blast of aerosol flames. Their wings quickly caught fire and spread just as easy. The first pack of fairies who caught the blaze rushed out of the car flying in every direction, howling in agony as they burned. The ones that didn't catch flames flew back, snapping and screeching to her with their rusty little cries, raking out at the empty air before them in her direction. Penny rolled herself out of the car, blasting clouds of fire every which way. Whenever one would catch fire, it would make a frantic zip into the air and then burn out mid-flight. Groups of three or four would be lit up at a time. As the fairies burned up in clusters, others flew off in a frenzy one by one. They shouted and screeched as they flew off as to curse her, until finally, any fairy that hadn't caught a flaming death had disappeared far into the trees. Penny dropped the can, and it fell to the ground with a clink. She struggled to catch her breath while a trickle of blood poured out of the side of her face and landed on the hot pavement. She looked up into the sky 
and within a matter of seconds the whole forest was calm and quiet, as if nothing had ever happened. With an elbow hanging outside of the car window as he drove, State Trooper Jim Matthews itched his mustache, then cleared his throat. Reckon I ain't seen any of them fairy weirdos in a couple days. They were out here protesting every day, and now nothing. Wonder what happened? Ain't no one heard from that big fella from what I hear, said Trooper William Friskins as he clicked around on a handheld video game from the passenger seat. Or that girl from the newspaper and her photographer. They were all together on some kind of fairy hunt last I heard. Maybe they found something. Maybe, said Trooper Matthews. He slowed down the car as something caught his eye in the thick of the woods. Say, that girl from the newspaper, Penny Avenue was her name, right? She was the one who interviewed us last year when those kids were doing those Mothman pranks, right? Yeah. Why, said Friskins. Cause I'll about wager that's her dumping gasoline all over the forest floor right now. Friskins put down his game and saw what his partner was looking at. Matthew stopped the car and they got out together, each with a hand on the butt of their guns. Penny! Penny Avenue? Hey, excuse me, shouted Matthews. That's an awful lot of gas you got there. Uh... I don't know what you got planned, but it's looking like a bad idea. No, she shouted. Get away from here. Penny hid the plastic lighter in her hand. It's not safe. You don't know what's happened. Let me do what I need to do. All right, Penny, said Friskins. Let's just calm down now. You look a little scrapped up. Why don't you stop and tell us what's going on? No, said Penny. You won't understand. It's these things. They'll kill you. They'll kill everyone. I can't let you stop me. Penny spun around back towards the officers and started to flick at the lighter. The officers yelled to her, but she ignored them. When she got a flame going, she bent down to light the trail of gasoline. What is she doing? said Matthews. I don't know. I think she's got a... Oh, God! No, Penny! The officer shouted at her, but his words fell on blank ears. She couldn't hear him, and she most certainly couldn't hear the two shots that went into her back that he fired from his gun. Time slowed down to a crawl as Penny fumbled to get the fire going. She felt her eyes roll into the back of her head, and a wave of numbness spilled all throughout her. The lighter flopped out of her hand as she held the hole in her torso, bleeding out on the forest floor in a stench of gasoline. Oh my God, Friskin said, shaking, holding the gun out in front of him. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't let her do it. The damage would have been awful. Matthews took his hat off and gently lowered Trooper Friskin's gun down for him. It's all right, just calm down. It's over now, Matthew said. He shook his head. I know it's hard, but you weren't exactly wrong there. Who knows how much life you just saved from a fiery blaze just now. Hold on, said Friskins. Do you hear that? Beyond the tree line, a chorus of cruel, teeny laughter filled the forest edge and then blew away with the wind. 
and that was Fairy Hunt by author Nicholas Corris. A good reminder not to take cute little creatures for granted. I think that's what happened to Steve Irwin, by the way. So the next time you decide to hop on top of a giant stingray, just be careful not to harsh his auric biome with your sour gamma waves. A little about the author. Nicholas Corres is from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and is a writer of mostly horror and occasional fantasy. Check him out on Instagram at Nicholas Disease, spelled just the way it sounds. I hope it's not catchy, whatever it is, but do give him a follow, would you? And while you're at it, please remember to stop by our Apple Podcast page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and subscribe. The charts are based on subscriptions, not listens, by the way. So feel free to accidentally subscribe as many times as you want. I won't tell anyone, I promise. And if you feel like spreading the word and helping old Drew Blood out and convincing a friend or two to subscribe to my podcast, that would help me out greatly, and I'd really appreciate it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other podcast episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at chillintalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program and all our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook and Instagram and sometimes Twitter. Sometimes. And remember, we are accepting submissions. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on this show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, friend. At least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, but keep your bear spray handy. I don't see many fairies around here, but I'm sure there's something out there that'll bite you. At this time, I'd like to say hello to a couple of listeners who were kind enough to stop by and say hello to me on Facebook. John McKenzie and Patrick Mull. Hey, John. Hey, Patrick. I've enjoyed our conversations, fellas. I appreciated the kind words y'all sent my way. I really appreciate getting to meet good people such as yourselves. So John McKenzie and Patrick Mull, may the wind be at your back and may the road rise up to meet you. May the spirits of the Everwild spare your earlobes. And of course, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> good night, y'all.